step into a world where beauty and danger collide. Let's uncover the shocking truth about hazardous chemicals and poisons that once grazed historic cosmetics and have even made an appearance in modern-day cosmetics. From lead-laden Elizabethan powders to arsenic-laced beauty treatments, get ready for a jaw-dropping journey through the risky pursuit of beauty. Are. You. Ready. Welcome to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. If you're new to Beauty Unlocked, I'm Carissa, host of this circus. Welcome, friends. If you've been a long-time listener, you know all about the shenanigans and utter fuckery that is Beauty Unlocked. <laughs> Are you ready? Sugar Babies, to another episode of Beauty Unlock the Podcast. I'm Carissa, and today we're diving deep into a topic that will make you rethink your beauty routine, the history of beauty and its dark side. From ancient Egypt to 20th century makeup mishaps, people have been willing to suffer for the sake of beauty. You've probably heard about scandals involving harmful ingredients in beauty products, but did you know that this problem has ancient roots? Let's start by taking a journey back in time to ancient Egypt, where the pursuit of beauty came with some consequences. Picture this, we're walking through the streets of ancient Egypt, and you come across Cleopatra. Well, you wouldn't come across her, she wouldn't be walking the streets, but you catch a glimpse of her walking around her palace, and she's rocking that iconic heavy-lined eye look. But what's the secret behind those sultry eyes? All men and women in ancient Egypt painted their eyes with black and green powders. In addition to protecting them from the sun, this makeup was believed to protect the wearer from illness. But what was their eye makeup made from? Well, it was made of malachite, galena, which is a mineral form of lead sulfide, and coal. But what did this mean for the average Egyptian? Dr. Joel Schlesinger, a dermatologist in Omaha, Nebraska, says the exposure would eventually lead to irritability, insomnia, and mental decrease. The ocular skin's thin, nearly transparent qualities made it highly susceptible to absorbing these toxic materials. And coupled with the proximity of mucous membranes, it was a recipe for disaster. Fast forward to ancient Greece, where people took things a step further, because why not? By slathering lead not just around their eyes, but all over their faces. Their white lead face cream was designed to clear complexions of blemishes and to improve the color and texture of the skin. Lead-based face masks soon became all the rage. Despite the health hazards, upper-crust Romans continued to use it to lighten their faces. My, my. 
According to Kevin Jones, curator at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising Museum in Los Angeles, the use of cosmetics packed with lead, mercury, arsenic, and other dangerous elements made for a particularly vicious cycle. And speaking of vicious cycles, during the 15th to 18th centuries, the dead white look was in vogue. Men and women painted their faces with a mixture of white lead and vinegar, known as Venetian ceruse, leading to skin damage and scarring. To cover it up, they applied even thicker layers of makeup, worsening the situation. You might have heard of Queen Elizabeth I and her famously pale complexion, which she probably achieved with Venetian ceruse. She used this to cover her smallpox scars, which was running rampant at the time. While it may have smoothed a person's complexion day to day, over time it caused skin discoloring, hair loss, and rotted teeth. It's believed that Elizabeth's prolonged use of this mixture led to her demise. Other symptoms of using lead-based makeup include gray hair, dried out skin, severe abdominal pain, and constipation. White lead makeup dates back to about 3,500 BC, and despite being classified as a poison in the UK since 1631, it persisted in Western beauty routines for centuries. In 1760, the famous Irish beauty Marie Gunning was dubbed a victim of cosmetics when she passed away at just 30 years old. I should actually do an episode on Marie. It took until the Victorian era for the preference for natural beauty to push this toxic style out of fashion. But let's face it, the Victorians came up with other dangerous beauty, fashion, and makeup trends. While many makeup products continued to use lead-based paints, they were mostly replaced by the safer, <laughs> safer alternatives like pearl white and talc by the early 1900s. Did you know that back in the day, many people made their cosmetics at home instead of buying them off the shelf? Recipe books featuring cosmetics have been around since the 1600s, but here's the catch. These recipes often contain some truly nasty ingredients. We're talking chemicals that would make your skin crawl. Literally. I mean, listen, if they were quote-unquote curing syphilis with mercury, you can only imagine. A 1776 hair removal recipe called for quicklime, nitre, and orpiment, all common ingredients in historic depilatory creams. Quicklime could cause skin burns, eye damage, and respiratory irritation. Nitre could irritate the skin, eyes, and lungs, not to mention emitting toxic fumes if mishandled. And orpiment? It's the mineral form of arsenic sulfide. Just imagine putting that on your skin. Yes, arsenic, the poison. Fun fact, did you know that arsenic is often referred to as the king of poisons and the poison of kings? It wasn't just used to get rid of kings or political rivals, it was found in beauty treatments too. Imagine using an arsenic nail treatment or even tooth cement. Some arsenic products were marketed as doctor-approved, like Dr. McKenzie's medicated arsenic soap. Yes, soap. These products were sold well into the 20th century. Mercury, another toxic ingredient, also had its place in cosmetics because, you know, why not? Bichloride of mercury was recommended for all sorts of skin ailments. 
but using it could lead to severe burns, among other issues. Not exactly the ideal solution for your skincare problems, right? Some red pigmented cosmetics might have contained mercury sulfide, also known as cinnabar or vermilion. Even in trace amounts, all forms of mercury are highly toxic. It makes you wonder how these recipes were ever recommended for delicate facial areas. And I'm sure future generations will also look at what we're slathering on our faces and think, what the fuck were they doing? Victorian no-makeup alternatives like homemade cold creams and lotions seemed safer, but even these had their risks. Many of them listed harmless ingredients like flower-scented waters, but our old friends mercury, arsenic, and lead often made cameo appearances. A 1776 recipe for water for the gums instructed readers to rub their gums with hips acidulated with five or six drops of spirit of vitriol after applying a water mixture. You're probably asking yourselves, spirit of vitriol? That's sulfuric acid, highly corrosive, even in small doses. Lest not forget deadly nightshade or belladonna, which contains atropine, which optometrists use today to dilate pupils for eye exams. But in the name of beauty, this poisonous plant has been used since Roman times. Talk about risking it all for a sultry gaze. Now, the 19th and early 20th centuries saw the rise of products like berries freckle ointment, milk of roses, snow white enamel, and flake white, which contain mercury, lead, and other corrosives. Now, remember when I mentioned milk of roses? Well, this lotion, despite its innocent-sounding name, often contained Goulard's extract, or sugar of lead. People started to understand the dangers of some cosmetics by the turn of the 20th century, but they continued to use them, believing that a little wouldn't hurt. Radium even made its way into cosmetics in the first half of the 20th century, proving that the pursuit of beauty sometimes defied common sense. It wasn't until the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 that these hazardous cosmetics began to face regulation. But the cosmetic quackery continued for decades, with products like Lashlor causing blindness and Karamlu containing rat poison. In 1936, Ruth DeForest Lamb published American Chamber of Horrors, helping to pave the way for the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act of 1938, which brought cosmetics under FDA control. The question is, are we better off today, or is history repeating itself? Teresa Riordan, author of Inventing Beauty, a history of the innovations that have made us beautiful, suggests that while the FDA oversees cosmetics, it's often an after-the-fact kind of oversight. And Stacey Mulkin, author of Not Just a Pretty Face, The Ugly Side of the Beauty Industry, points out that we may still be exposed to harmful ingredients like phthalates through personal care products. Recent campaigns have exposed the link between sunbeds and skin cancer, the dangers of skin bleaching products, and the environmental havoc caused by plastic microbeads in skincare. There have even been eyeshadows testing positive for asbestos. Remember, my friends, that beauty should never come at the cost of your health 
even if you might be of the same mindset as our ancestors that a little can't be that bad. That's all for today's episode of Beauty Unlock the Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating journey through the history of cosmetics and the shocking ingredients they once contained. Do us a little favor, my loves, and follow us throughout social media. There's a link in the description that will take you to our YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Remember to stay safe, my loves, stay hydrated, and informed in your beauty choices. You'll hear from me again next week. Bye. Make it clap, 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 cl